Welcome back to the And One Podcast. This is episode 28, the long-awaited episode 28, um, after mine and Sammy's summer break, which wasn't all that well communicated, because to be honest, me and Sammy didn't really know what we were going to be doing. Um, what we're doing now, podcast, back and running, uh, should be an episode drop every Friday. Bear with us, life's getting a little crazy, school's starting again, and all that good stuff um also bear with this episode a little bit i was just um getting over a cold and so i sound a little bit um less amazing as i do right now we'll put it that way um so thank you so much uh for checking this out right before we hop in as always uh give us a follow on instagram to stay up to date with all the latest and one podcast content and uh, check that email down in the description below. Uh, you can send us an email if you think you should be on this podcast, or you know somebody who you think should be on this podcast. That was a long one. Enjoy the episode. Peace. There we go. It's rolling. We're back into Whoop. it. And one podcast, episode 28. Um, after a long break, we are back, and it feels great. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, it feels great. And not only feels because, great, you know, I get to talk to Sammy, uh, but also because we get to talk to our spectacular guest today, who goes by the name of Wes Brown. Um, he will get a chance to say hello in just a minute. Um, but before that, got to hype him up a little bit. Got to tell you guys all about him. Uh, he is a basketball scout based in Toronto, Ontario. And uh, generally, he focuses on young Canadian talent. Uh, before he kind of got in this position, uh, going back in time a little bit, he was a law school graduate of Bond University, uh, went on to do some assistant coaching for North Toronto Huskies basketball and then the University of Toronto uh, season each, uh, went on to run an NCAA scouting website, uh, NCAA basketball that is, uh, before moving on to be a scout for the Texas Legends of the NBA G League for one season. He is the founder of the Monday Morning Scouting Report, subscription-based basketball scouting service focusing on high school athletes from across the country, and he has also been featured on TSN on multiple occasions. Uh, you know, just for a little more hype, uh, just throw that in. Wes, you want to say hello to everybody? Uh, tell us how you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm doing pretty good. Getting ready for uh, the basketball season to start up again. Yeah, so of course that's always our uh, you know first question. How are you doing? And for so long, it's it's always been how's it going, and how does COVID affect uh, affect what you're doing? Uh, you know, since we've uh, we we've been on this podcast last, you know, COVID uh, vaccination numbers have gone up, uh, yeah. regulations have uh, chilled out a little bit. So we're hoping that as we make more and more of these, the uh, the answers to that question will become um, less you know less optimism for the future to optimism right now and, and just excitement for what's going on but um i mean yeah like what what have you been up to uh recently and uh i guess all that good stuff yeah i mean i, I was traveling most of the summer um things in the u.s have opened up pretty good uh maybe it's going back uh 
you know, towards rise, rising cases now. But um, for a while there, uh, everything was was pretty open. Um, it was pretty crazy, I'd say, going from, you know, open gyms where everybody's, you know, not wearing a mask. And then most recently, I was at Summer League, which was my second time in Vegas this summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were required to wear masks, you know, so we'll see where things are headed. But, um, you know, summer stuff is done. And now, uh, you know, we've got high school ball teams started to, you know, at least the prep teams have, have started to work out uh, this week and next. And, you know, with the first probably tournament coming later this or later in September. Yeah, of course. It feels like we're kind of uh, rolling through the whole like accept it. Like, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. Um, and we're finally getting into that last stretch where hopefully we'll be seeing um, a lot of, you know, high school age kids um, being able to play um, basketball and sports. And, you know, I mean, me, myself, selfishly football, um, you know, but before we get there, um, you mentioned you were at the uh, Summer League, I presume the uh, NBA Summer League. Is that correct? That is right. Yeah. Nice. And so I guess just want to ask, how was that experience? Like, were there guys there that you'd uh, scouted in the past? Was it kind of like a proud, you know, proud, like these kids are growing up moment? Or was it more just, you know, uh, checking out some talent that you may not have uh, had a chance to check out before? Yeah, well, no, summer, summer League for the basketball world is really just um, a networking event. Um, you know, it's good to see the guys live that, you know, you had scouted whether in high school or college, um, you know, some of them Canadian kids that, you know, I've seen for, you know, four or five years. Um, and, but, but really, you know, I'm not really focused on the basketball at, uh, mm -hmm. there. You're, you're really yeah. just, you know, networking and, you know, seeing old friends and you end up at dinners with, you know, a group of people you've never met before. It's just, um, it's it's fun um and it's more about that than it is about you know actually watching the games which i can't say i focus too much on them you know that that sounds fun i i watched a couple of the summer league games from home and it was nice uh probably my favorite player to watch was caleb bagata almost making history and, and making an nba roster but i think he's playing over in australia now yeah i just want to ask you did you do you mind explaining a little bit like more your your role at Texas and now your current role running the Monday morning scouting report? Sure. Yeah. Um, Texas. I was a scout for the G League team. Um, we had actually one of my best friends was the assistant GM Matt Morales, who is like still a good friend to this day and maybe uh, you know one of the best scouts that I've ever met. I would say. So the two of us, you know, did a lot of scouting work. I was based out of Toronto. Um, I ended up having, you know, a visa issue. I mean, you know, getting an American visa, you got to be in a pretty high role and it wasn't a high enough role. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I did it from home here. I, you know, I had a pass to all the 905 games. So I went to all the 905 games. I went to some East Coast games all around um, and, you know, tried to get a gauge more of the East Coast market and the G League and then... Um, you know, you would get messages here and there about whatever random players we were looking at, players for the draft, you know, um, um, d deciding who we want uh, for the uh, of the players on the on the Dallas Summer League team for for the G League team, ranking players, things like that. So, um, you know, just just helping out any way I could. Um, and then I realized, again, because I ended up having a visa issue. Uh, that the team would, you know, they wouldn't sign my visa, sign off on it and allow me to move there permanently. Um, 
that I really needed a niche. And it wasn't really about my ability to scout, which I thought was as good as anyone's. Um, but it was more about, um, you know, having, having, a, yeah, having a reason for the team to pick up the phone when you call and being able to build those relationships and, you know, um, having a name. Because at that point, I mean, I was sending out thousands of emails and what ended, what ended up happening was um, I sent, I would send out, you know, hundreds of emails a week, I would say, um, trying to sell myself. And there's no reason for anyone to get back to me. But what I realized was sending out a report every Monday was my way of being a pest without being a pest. And just cause they, you know, they came to us, they came to know that I would have a report to them every week, but what teams were actually interested in was Canadian high school basketball and not, you know, the college prospects that they could go see themselves and gather information yeah. on and everything. Um, and this was a niche. And so it mm -hmm. kind of started from there. Um, I went to more and more high school gyms and built more and more relationships and um, over time turned into what it is now, which, you know, I help teams at every level. It's a subscription scouting service. I help teams at every level um, recruit Canada. So whether you're the Raptors, whether you're Duke or Kentucky or you're, uh, you're Ryerson or Ottawa or wherever, um, you know, I go countrywide to try to find the best talent in Canada and help you know, teams place Canadian kids. Yeah, nice. And I, I guess, you know, trying to, trying to picture all this in my head uh, as you're going through it. Um, I am curious, like you said, you've been, you've been moving around. Um, obviously, sorry, like not, not permanently moving, but, you know, going, going places, uh, watching kids play, doing your uh, due diligence as a scout. Um, would you say most of the scouting work you've done um, is in person um, would you say most of it's online or do you do sort of a mix there? No, it's almost all in person. I mean, I, I would never vouch for a, I would almost never vouch for a kid, um, unless I'd seen them live. And uh, just so you get that baseline of athleticism, how they move, you know, their shot mechanics, how they think. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's much easier to go from there. You know, sometimes you got to watch stuff online. Um, I actually placed a kid recently at Ohio University that I never saw live. I just, I saw the tape. I liked him. The school brought him on. They liked him and, you know, they got it done. I mean, that was a COVID situation, right? So now we're forced a little bit to be like that and we'll see, hopefully things never get shut down again so that I can continue to travel and find all the guys because I'm planning to go countrywide. But, um, uh, I, 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 I really like to, like you said, due diligence. I really like to do my due diligence and make sure that if I'm referring a kid to one of my clients that um, I know, you know, their level, I know their athleticism, I know that they're ready for the faster speed of the game. Um, and I'm not willing to, you know, I'm not willing to really take a big risk. And so, so yeah, so most of it is, is almost all of it always is, is in person. And you know, it, it is what it is. I, I see you when I see you, you know, stay in touch and everything like that. But um, I trust my eyes. Yeah. Um, you seem to be really, to, you know, have a really big expertise in basketball in Canada. And recently there's been some de debates over Instagram, over live streams about which cities in Canada produce the most basketball talent. So if I were to put you on the spot here, and ask you for a top three talent producing cities in Canada. Yeah. Who who would they be 
in order? Um, I think Toronto and Montreal are on a different level right now than the rest of the country. Um, yeah. There's been some pretty good talent out of Calgary recently. I think there's some pretty good talent in Vancouver. Um, there's some pretty good talent out east in Nova Scotia. Um, and in that area, you know, there, there's always players. Uh, yeah. But, you know, tr- tr- the, dr- the GTA, uh, Greater Toronto Area, is, is the hotbed still. I mean, yeah. there, there might be more top-end talent recently out of Montreal. But in terms of the number of players, I mean, uh, yeah, the, Ontario is still, Toronto and Ontario are still producing, I would say, the most talent. Uh, but Montreal has has definitely caught up and has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of NBA like prospects. You know, I mean, they've got a few yeah. guys in college right now, Omax Prosper and um, and Maturin at Arizona, right? And they had um, Lou Dord and Kareem Maine and um, and Chris Boucher. So that they're uh, and Ken Birch, and so they're on. You know, they're they're on fire right now. Um, but I think when it all balances out, Ontario will, you know, at least for now, will maintain its you know, long-term reign because just the sheer number of, of, of kids that play here yeah. um, and the amount of, I mean, you know, in, in the Toronto area, it's, it's incredible. And, um, and the competition is, is organized and high, you know, there's, yeah. there's, you, if you, whatever area you grew up in, there's a, there's a, a rep team there probably. And there's a big league that they play in Ontario wide, I'm sure. So yeah. um, that makes, that makes, you know, the funnel to the top pretty easy because you get seen and recognized from an early age and then you know can develop appropriately so i feel i feel like the kids in ontario are more skilled but when i like if you go to a tournament the kids from montreal are like huge they're all they're always so much big yeah they're all just athletes they're all super athletic i noticed that um you said gta greater <laughs> toronto area does that does that include Kitchener? Obviously, because you know we've had Josiah, <laughs> Jamal Murray, Jacob Theodoso, who I recently saw in the U sixteen. If you could, you does Kitchener um is Kitchener in that sort of area? Sure. I mean, it's it's not the GTA, but you know, I, I mean, Ontario really. So we could yeah. say Ontario. Yeah. So I would say, you know, they we might not classify that as Toronto, but you know, if if you were in uh, <laughs> Texas trying to explain to someone where you live and you say Kitchener, they'd have no idea. But if you said Toronto yeah. area, you know, so yeah. that's really what I mean. Just the general, you know, vicinity. Yeah. I know Samuel's a little, uh, but hurt when <laughs> in his head, he's thinking Toronto or KW and then you name a bunch of other cities, um, along with Toronto, <laughs> we're on the way up. Um, but as you said, it kind of first thing that comes to mind is Toronto and you go, okay, well, GTA is pretty good. Yeah. Ontario actually like overall. So, you know, Sammy's yeah. not a, you didn't you didn't piss us off enough to uh to end the episode here we'll, we'll, <laughs> leave, we'll leave it at that um anyways um moving on uh i was curious uh when you know i was kind of doing my research um on you uh because i found that you know you'd gotten uh your bachelor's degree uh at, at western uh you know you went on to graduate uh from law school at bond university mm-hmm. and then I, you know, a couple of internships here and there, but, um, really you kind of jumped right into coaching and then you moved into scouting, um, from the outside looking in based off that knowledge, you know, or based off that information, it's a bit of a crazy pivot. Um, do you want us to explain kind of how, um, how that all happened? Um, and really if it was much of a pivot at all, or, 
if it was always something um, that you, I guess you envisioned, envisioned yourself uh, doing, pardon me. Yeah, no, that, that's always what I was going to do. Um, I, uh, I went to law school really to appease my parents who wanted, uh, you know, the, to make sure that I was going to, you know, be all right in life. Um, yeah. And telling, you know, telling people you're going to be a basketball scout seems pretty crazy until you do it um, and make money doing it. Um, so, um, um, no, that, that was my plan all along. Um, uh, I, I just had to, you know, um, figure out my, my route. And, um, so I coached a little, I didn't really want to be a coach. Um, and I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't for me. I don't have that, you know, that demanding personality like that. Um, I like just, you know, sitting on the side and writing my report and making my evaluations, um, which is, you know, I was all, I always loved the draft. I was like a draft nut when I was a kid. Um, and still am really obviously. Um, so, um, so I started, I, I saw a guy that started a scouting website that got a job with the nuggets. Um, so I really did the same. So, you know, I started going to summer league and building relationships from maybe 2014 on, mm-hmm. um, I ended up like creating this format, uh, of scouting, um, where I would, you know, evaluate all the things I thought were important, um, and, you know, put it in an Excel spreadsheet. And then I, I had like a regular job actually in finance at that point in like 20, I don't know, 15 maybe. And um, I quit once I, once I had enough kind of data on the website. Um, I quit and went all in and had no idea how I was going to make a cent ever. Um, and from there, um, I, I went around to a, a number of the MBA events and just built relationships, just you know, built, you know, from having FaceTime with the guys, my dad calls a hand-to-hand combat, you know, hand-to-hand combat with yeah. anyone I could so that yeah. they remember your face and name. And, you know, you partially, like like anything, you partially get lucky and you partially prepare. And, I mean, for me, what really was, like, the biggest move for me was um, I had prepared all year scouting um, all the college prospects. I had this website, you know, it had built some notoriety some big names tweeted about it and stuff and um but you know it still wasn't really making me money and i still didn't know where i was going with it and ended up meeting you know my best buddy in basketball who's jim kelly and who you know is my mentor um and he was the assistant gm of the raps and is now uh scout with dallas um and he was you know the one guy that was willing to talk to me and ended up you know, becoming really close with Donnie Nelson and their whole staff. They brought me to dinners. Um, and eventually, like, you know, opportunity met preparation where we're at this dinner and the food didn't come for like two and a half hours. And so for that two and a half hours, um, Donnie Nelson grilled me on every prospect in the draft. <laughs> and I had prepared all year just to go to that dinner and show them that I knew what I was doing, you know. So um, th- that's where, you know, that was a big launching point And they offered me an opportunity and you know, things, things have spiraled from there, but everything was just, you know, bouncing from one thing to the next, trying to read and react much like basketball, read and react to what works, what can make me money, where, where's there a niche? How can I differentiate myself? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and what year was that? Uh, you said you scouted all the college guys and putting together, um, a list there. Yeah, that was like probably 2015 to 2017 ish. Um, and okay. then uh, the Legends was the following year. And then while I was with the Legends, I started kind of doing what I'm doing now. And 
eventually turned it into my service nice um yeah. now i mean uh, speaking for both me and Sammy, you know we've asked a couple questions um about your scouting roles and we have some follow-ups uh here and there that we'll probably kind of come back like come back and revisit but I, I i have to ask this uh just such a nice <laughs> transition you know when i was doing uh my research uh one of the first articles i saw that you had written was on the topic of the 2017 NBA draft. Uh, and in that mm -hmm. article, you may remember, you made the case uh, for Malik yep. Monk being yep. the optimal number one draft pick. Not necessarily saying he was the best player in the class, but I believe the phrasing was um, the highest potential. And so why not draft him at number one? Now, obviously, looking back, you know, it was Fultz, Lonzo for like who was going to go one. And it, it ended up being Markel Fultz one, Lonzo ball two. Yep. Guys Tatum. like Jason Tatum, Tatum, yeah. Tatum went three, right? Darren Fox, Bam Adebayo went uh, later on. I I really just kind of wanted to uh, to 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 gauge, you know, uh, how you feel about this take today. Yeah, well, the you know, we all learn, you know, we all learn as we go, right? And at that point, yeah. I didn't really know how important um, the the intel, the background stuff was. You know, and some stories came out that Dallas knew when I said that to them, you know, at that point, yeah. um, they knew about some of the issues with Monk, you know, and there were, there were serious issues. I mean, if I knew then what I know now, you know, I never would have said that, mm -hmm. but Monk had a special ability to score. It came easily to him. He had an elite shot. And my one thing was I hated Fultz. Fultz didn't care about winning. Fultz made plays here and there, but Smart never guy. amounted to anything, right? And so the whole league, including Raptors guys, Mavs guys, everything, thought I was crazy. And that was my first thing, and they saw that I was right. Fultz and everybody, you know, my, my close friends yeah. still give me shit about, about Monk, <laughs> but I was right about Fultz. And me being, me being wrong about Monk is way better than them being wrong about Fultz. They were just lemmings. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, Monk... Uh, no, looking back on it, look, it was it was a matter of me not having the information. You know, I was a scout that yeah. knew basketball, but didn't understand how important the background stuff was. And I mean, I know now, but back then I had no idea. So yeah, that, that's really why I said thing, that. And it yeah. was just it was just a shot. It was just mm -hmm. like, a, hey, yeah. look, this kid has all the ability in the world. He's super talented. He's a he's a incredible scorer and an incredible shooter. And like maybe he can be the next guy. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But I'm comfortable betting that. I'm not betting on Fultz. Like, that guy's not going to help you win a game ever. You know, so I was right about Fultz and wrong about Monk. But um, but that was uh, that was my take. And, um, yeah. Hey, being, being right about Fultz, though, like, more than cancels it out. Because not that many people, like, saw it coming. And I guess you did. Yeah, everybody loved so, him. Everybody yeah, loved him. I remember. Him. I remember. Everybody loved him. They thought I was crazy. Everybody yeah. loved him. He had, so, he has all the tools. He had all the tools, but the the that was like a great lesson for me too. Like, you you got to look for winners, and and you know, winning is a is a mentality, is a competitiveness, but but to a different level. And you have to evaluate if guys are making decisions to win or for themselves. And I just think he was indifferent. Even I mean, so yeah. so yeah. So that that was a great teaching moment. If you were to give someone who you think is a winner and someone who you think not so much in, in this year's past draft, like who do you think it would be? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but no you problem. think someone. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it easy. I mean, I'll give you, I was going to say James Booknight is a loser, but 
Um, that's fair enough. That's a... I'm going to say Evan Mobley. Um, not, not so much that he's a loser, but I don't think, I think he's indifferent. Whereas Jalen, like, I mean, I've talked about Suggs every opportunity I've ever gotten. Yeah. Um, Suggs is, is the ultimate winner. He's, he's able to play hard consistently. His motor is relentless on both ends. Um, he makes decisions for the team, even when he's required to score, which, you know, when you see a guy who has a, a pass first mentality, playmaking mentality, also take shots the second they're available or the second yeah. he thinks it's the right decision just to, you know, keep kind of the offense flowing. And, you know, and that's what I saw from him is, is a decisiveness and ability to process the game, um, whether he's from a standstill or downhill. You know, he's a, he was a quarterback, so he sees everything that's happening on the floor. I bet, you know, if you did one of those those mental tests, those like beep tests or the, you know, when you're tracking all the balls on the on the mm-hmm. screen at the same time, he would he would be a superstar. You know, and then you got Evan Mobley, who doesn't really impose himself on the game. You know, he doesn't he doesn't demand the ball. He's not physical in the paint. Yeah. He um, you know, he's doesn't got really all the happen. tools a lot like faults, you know, that. This is a great contrast. A, a lot like like Fultz. Um, both of them have all the physical ability. They can, you know, switch. They can make plays. They can shoot. There's there's nothing they're missing physically. They have all the projectable tools. But in terms of being a player, I just don't think Mobley's going to impose himself on an NBA game. Um, I don't think he's got any toughness or motor. And and you know, he's happy to. You might like that he can switch, you know, you might like that he can stretch the floor and that's going to keep the defense honest and maybe account for something, but he's also not going to go score 20 and, you know, be a, a mofo, like the type of guy that helps you win a game. Yeah. So do you think as a, I'm not sure if you're a Raptors fan or not, but do you think Scotty Barnes, like the Scotty Barnes pick was a mistake over Suggs? Cause you're clearly pretty high on Suggs. Yes. I think it was a mistake, but. Um, but uh, I see what they're doing, and they're yeah. minimizing risk by taking a six eight six nine kid that can, you know, that's athletic, that has incredible character, and you know they've built, they've built all these prospects that are long and athletic, and you know develop their shot. Um, so I get it. Be, I get what yeah. they're trying to do, but. Um, you know, you, you need a star at some point and they passed up on the ability to, to land a guy who I think yeah. is going to be a superstar. It's going to be interesting to see just, they have so many like Delano Bant and even, I think it, it's going to take a while because lots of those guys, like they need to develop their game, like a lot for them to be good. Especially I think Delano Banton's probably going to be a G League guy for a little bit, but I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this upcoming season and the following seasons yeah, yeah. I, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting yeah sorry about that i just wanted to jump in i mean obviously sammy uh, has this great knowledge of the raptors their their system whatnot um and you know you kind of defining yourself as a bit of a great you know, knowledge <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're, we're generous here um uh anyways uh you know you, you kind of define yourself as quote-unquote draft nerd um I would generally think myself uh, somewhat similarly, uh, especially for you know uh, NHL, NFL, NBA is definitely one I'm I'm getting more into uh, every year. Where there's a draft, there's interest from me, um, at least kind of like a Christmas. Anyways, what I really want you know people listening to take away from this is that I'm not bringing up like oh look like 2017 you said Malik Monk was gonna be the best player in the class and obviously he's not now. It's not the kind of thing I'm bringing up to 
to rip on you because I mean, obviously anybody who follows um, scouts and analysts and, and what they say, you, you don't hit, I mean, easy for me to say you don't hit a hundred percent of the time. You don't hit like, you know, even like 75% of the time is pretty crazy. 60% of the time is pretty crazy. Like it's a very um, hit or miss thing. And so bringing it up, not to um, kind of put you on blast, but to say more like, look what we learned. And also, you know, as you brought up, Mark L. Fultz being a good take, where there's a bad take, there's generally some good takes um, in there as well, because that's just uh, the way it goes. So, I mean, I have a follow-up question, but if there's anything you wanted to add, I know I've been kind of babbling for a nope, second. No, that's good. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so, I mean, kind of moving on from that, um, I was curious, you know, I was curious as to, you know, kind of some lessons learned, and you, you touched on that a little bit, uh, but then more, you know, uh, philosophically, um, as a scout or analyst, however you define yourself, um, I'm curious as to whether you like to look at others' opinions um, to sort of start to form your own, form a baseline, validate your own, contradict your own, or do you like to block that out um, and kind of do a, you know, quote unquote, uh, raw take just from you? Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, no, I don't care what anybody else says. Like literally nobody. I love um, it. And usually they're wrong. Um, you know, if you look at like ESPN's top 100 rankings, it's based on um hype and mm-hmm. not my eye i'll tell you yeah. that much i mean a lot of it is is size and athleticism and i value motor and iq more than anything um which is you know what a guy like suggs brought um another guy i really liked from the draft jacory mclaughlin um a six three guard out of uh, cal santa barbara who was on the warriors and had a really good summer league off the bench for them and i think I don't know where he's going to be this year. I'm not sure where he signed, but he showed out really well. Um, and he was totally under the radar. But I love guys who um, who I think are going to make the right decision no matter what. And, um, you know, he, he was one of those guys and, and Suggs. Uh, there's, uh, there was a guy, Trendon Watford, um, on LSU, kind of like a 6'8 point guard almost, pass first guy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really make my own evaluations. If, if you looked at my draft rankings that I sent to NBA teams, you would think I was crazy, uh, with some of the selections. I mean, obviously I have Suggs number one, but there's more than that. Um, but I'm just generally not willing to bet on, on a guy who I think has a a motor issue, which is a human trait, not a basketball trait. Right. And we can't change who we are really, you know, and, and um and the same for where there's a guy that has you know whether it's an athleticism issue a shooting issue you know when i don't think they have the projectable tools i almost write them off um and you know when it comes down to it i have i always have whatever it is whether i'm scouting canadian high school guys whether i'm scouting draft guys uh prospects in the u.s when i go to tournaments there my list of players that i like is 10 times shorter than everyone else um, because I'm just nitpicky, you know, and I always think like if, if your career came down to it, right. For me, as an example, if I had the number one pick, right. And LaMelo ball, knowing what we know now, like what would I bet my career on LaMelo ball? Absolutely not. I mean, we saw his, his, his brother, you know, I'm not sure he was able to deal with the criticism and the shooting, you know, it seemed like there was a, a mental issue there. Yeah. Um, and you know, even though he's able to, he, he's super talented, 
Is he ever going to be able to refine his his game enough to be a winner? I mean, you see the style he plays. It's always been a free-flowing style. Plus, you've got the dad involved. You know, it's like you're, yeah. you're really mm-hmm. saying, am I willing to bet my career on this loose cannon? Right. And, and that's what I would say about a lot of guys. I mean, you know, Cade Cunningham wasn't athletic enough. Saw it at Summer League, too. Was I willing to bet my career on Cade Cunningham? No. Was I willing to bet my career on Evan Mobley? Like, the, these, you know, he's, he's limited. I just, I just don't think he's enough of a player. So, I mean, I can find flaws in all these guys. And, and that's why, you know, I, I, really, I really run with the guys who tend to know how to play well without the ball, you know, if we're not looking at the top few guys in the draft. Guys who know how to play without the ball, who find ways to impact the game, whether they play five minutes or 30, who don't, you know, change the way they play based on if the ball's going in, who are consistently, you know, playing hard and making decisions for the team rather than, you know, taking bad shots for themselves that they, you know, whether they create them or, you know, whether they're selfish, it's, it's pretty obvious pretty quickly. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I go totally based on, on my own evaluations um, and I don't, I don't care what, what anybody, what anything else says really. Yeah. That's, that's probably why you are at the point that you are right now and your picks have been pretty good. So it makes sense. Kind of just pivoting away from the draft. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the, um, the U 16 Americas tournament that just happened. Yep. Canada had a pretty, they lost Argentina at the start. It was a little shaky, but then they ended up, you know, being in a, close game with USA in the third quarter how yep. with Michael Tyne Jacob Theodoso how how was that team and how do you think they sized up to other teams in the past sp- specifically the the one that's playing for the United teams right now with Shaden Sharp and Josiah and those guys yeah well th- those guys didn't play but I mean those guys would have been yeah, in the mix they had the, you play yeah 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 and and you know there were there were vaccination issues with some of the other kids that could have made this team too, that would have made it. I mean, this class, this class I think is going to be excellent. Um, You look at the talent level, they have a ton of guards that can play. They had really good shooting. They, you know, they had, they had Jacob Theodosiu, they had Ishan Sharma and they had Mikel Tyne, all I believe shooting over 40% from three and Jacob shooting over 50. Um, So, you know, having that level of shooting really helped. Um, shot makers, guys who could create their own shot as well. Um, it was a bit of an undersized team in terms of we played a number of guards, uh, and then you know there was a there was no really like three four other than yeah. Stephen Osei, uh, but he was he's more of a four. There was nobody to really piece together the roster. It was kind of bizarre. You're playing like you know smaller four, guards yeah. as like yeah four as the guards one two three and then like seven six yeah slow motor Olivier Rue in the, at the center yeah yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you, we had Efiosa, who's a 2025, who's going to end up being a guy that could end up, you know, on one of those G on the G league team or in the overtime elite league, like yeah. he's going to be an NBA prospect, I think. Um, and you saw some of that, you know, already playing a year up. Um, and honestly, I think the talent on that team was really good. I think there's a ton of high major po- prospects there. Um, standouts, like I mentioned, Ishan Sharma's ability to make shots. Mikel Tyne's overall skill. He was the best player on the team. He was the star of the show, and he was excellent. Jacob Theodosius' ability to make shots. Steven Osei's versatility, athleticism, the ability to rebound and also stretch the floor. Um, Olivier Ryu has, has no limit. I mean, I watched Zach Eddy go in grade 11 from 
you know, yeah. having a bit of a slow reaction time and, you know, the touch not really being there yet. And it became an absolute beast. You know, I saw the same kind of trajectory with, with Charles Bediaco. Um, so I see Ryu figuring it out because he's got good hands. He's got soft touch. Um, he's, he's, he's relatively mobile. He, he can usually do one thing and, but not finish the possession. Like he might be able to affect a shot, but he's not going to recover and get the rebound. Yeah. You know, or he might be able to get the rebound and, and snatch it up, but you know he's not going to be able to to protect the rim before that. So, you know, he's he he he's got a long way to go. But um, in my you know experience, the bigs end up figuring it out uh, more times than not. I mean, I, I like the whole roster. AJ Osman off the bench, a really good attacking guard, didn't shoot it great, but um, he gets those those paint touches. You can't teach the aggression. Baraco, Koji. I think he led the tournament or was one of the top few in assists, maybe fourth in assists, something like that in the whole tournament, 5.5 assists per game, I believe. And, and he played like under 20 minutes a game, which was wow. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the team, the, the team was stacked. The team was char, char, another 20, 25. That's, you know, got good raw talent. I, I like the whole team. I like the whole team. So, um, and I, I think the bigs are going to, are going to um, pan out from that team. So yeah. uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was, a, it was great watching that team. Like Michael, T I remember watching the the game against Argentina. And Michael Tyne just went berserk. Like I remember the floor. I think the there's some issues with the court. Like it was a little slippery, but and he was making people like the one play. He he literally made a guy like kiss the floor by crossing <laughs> him up so far. And that was great to watch that. Jacob, Jacob's from Kitchener. I've played against him. He's He's special. I've never seen a shooter like that. Well, obviously, because I've only been in Kitchener, but he he could he could shoot from almost half court and still have his high Larry Bird release, and he'll be hitting it like eight out of ten times. He was great. So I was right. I was great to watch that. Yep, yep. They were good. They were really good. I'm impressed. Yeah, definitely something coming into this. We went, you know, we got to talk about this. It's topical. Um, and it's super cool to hear your breakdown of everybody because, uh, you know, yeah. Sammy's been um, keeping up with all that. Uh, I've been I've been away and uh, I haven't been able to follow it as closely, but seeing, uh, you know, uh, some of that KW representation is, is really cool. And so it's super interesting for me. I'm um, just kind of sit back and listen to you talk about that. Um, we are coming close to the end. Uh, and so now, you know, you, you've kind of, talked about scouting and so many different um you know aspects talking about the nba uh you know college prospects there uh talking about you know canada and, and and what you do um at you know the monday morning scouting report and you know now just talking about that u16 team um i've kind of been thinking about this the whole time but if you could uh maybe make the case uh for scouting in person and maybe just run through some of the the reasons why um, it's so important to you and some of the things that um, you just can't quite um, get a, you know, get a grasp of um, if you don't get to actually go and physically um, meet the players or even just uh, watch them play uh, in, in person. You know, you need to see the level that, that you're watching. Right. And I guess guys making shots can probably fool you. You know, you got to gauge the size. Um, but I think more so seeing live um, the sh the again the mechanics of shot um, the decision making the way they move the way they think you know 
you, you can probably lose engagement to watching tape, especially. And like, you know, this isn't like I'm watching on TV, a, a well, you know, a well, uh, a well streamed game, you know, through TSN or ESPN or whatever. I mean, the games I'm watching are, are like Just a film. YouTube clip or a, yeah, a film yeah. that somebody took from a corner. Right. And, and you, sometimes, you, you know, know I'm score too. like, it can get, yeah, it's not the most fun thing to watch. No, it's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to figure out, to be honest. And, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm putting my neck on the line here when I'm telling one of my teams, Hey, you should be recruiting this kid. So for me, you got to do the due diligence and, um, you can scout online on T on, on, uh, on YouTube or whatever you, whatever, you know, videos you get, but, um, you're just more susceptible to, to making errors and, you feel much more comfortable when you get to see it live. I would say just again, the, the way they move more than anything, the athleticism and the way they move, you get to see where, you know, if I, I watch a tape, I'm not going to see up close where their left hand is on the ball, you know, how their right hand extends, you know, their level of touch. Um, and they mechanics. might send you a game. What'd you say? Oh, I was just saying, you know, generally like their mechanics. Yeah. Their mechanics. And, you know, they might send you a game where they, you know, shot the piss out of it. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm looking more for an average game to see, well, what am I getting on a yeah. daily basis when I, when I sign you, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in the 0 for 15 game and not interested for the 13 or 15 game. Just let me see the way you think, because if you can think the game at a high level and you can make winning decisions that, you know, are more consistent across the board, you know, then I'll trust you more than worrying about if the ball is going to go in. Cause we all know even Steph Curry has off games. So, you know, how are you going to help me win on, on an average game? Like what, what is it, what are your instincts? Like what, what is it that you bring to the table consistently? So I think that kind of stuff comes out much more or in person than it does, you know, on a, on a stream. Do you, do you ever um, incorporate like any stats into your scouting or is that kind of just a waste of time? Well, I take the st I take the stats myself sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I I might include. I mean, what the what the scores table said, you know. But usually, I do it myself. I mean, if I'm going to watch yeah. a point guard, I'll usually stat their you know points, assists, shooting, steals, things like that. Um, and if I'm not doing it, um, I make it pretty clear. You know, he had about 25 points, shot, you know, made four threes. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll make it, I'll, you know, I'll expand, you know, a really good shooter, good form or takes bad shots or, you know, likes the step back, likes the left corner, um, like spot ups, whatever it is that they, that they do, you know, I'll, I'll explain. So, I mean, there's no, there, I'm not, I don't, I don't send any analytics or anything like that. I mean, we're talking about high school basketball for the most part. Right. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, so, mm -hmm. so that's how I go about it. Yeah. It's important to remember, um, uh, that you know when you're especially when you're when you're dealing with kids uh, this young and you're going all around Canada uh, and they're playing in all these different leagues stats kind of you know oftentimes they're not tracked at all or they're poorly tracked um, the competition levels vary so much that they're barely even um, usable and you know just like the discrepancy it's not as simple as saying like oh I'm looking at stats from the NBA because that's all very um yeah, controlled uniform uh, yeah. uniform yeah. exactly um 
And so, like taking, uh, like, I definitely taking, like Lamelo Ball's like sixty point triple double from like the LBA. The yeah, ball. exactly. And you know, context yeah, yeah. is everything, and it's so hard to get yeah. context when you're getting these stats from all these random different leagues, and some leagues don't even have it. Um, so, I, and I don't you know, know how I much understand. I don't know how much teams care. Like, I don't know how much teams really care about the stats like that. Like. Well, I brought teams to games where guys didn't score much, but again, I like their decision making. So when I find a guy that I think is a good decision maker, it doesn't bother me, you know, because I always try like to tell kids like you might be the 30 point scorer now. What happens when you go to that, you know, the next level to the prep level? Okay, you're still okay. What happens when you go to the NCAA? Okay, now you're you're a 20 point scorer. Okay, well, what happens when you go to high major ranks? You know, at some point you stop being the scorer and you have to find try to find other ways to to help the team win. Um, so, I mean, honestly, like, I don't think my teams care and it's like, it's, it's kind of like supplementary information. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that would be down the road. I think at first, you know, you're going off my referral and then you might come watch the guy play. And, you know, I mean, when, when I've had my, my, you know, NCAA big time clients who ever come to a game here, they've never once started it. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, especially in the high school realm, I think it's a secondary you know, concern for, for me and for, um, for the college coaches also. Yeah. Um, and you know, just kind of wrap it up, you know, saying that you're the guy that scored 30 points. Um, it's, I guess it's somewhat of a skill to, to, to know that somebody can play as, you know, that primary score and that they can go through that, that workload, but it, it's just that it's, it's one skill in the whole repertoire. And if that's all they have and you're projecting forward to the next level, um, you know, you're, 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 you're probably gonna be, um, looking for more. Um, anyways, we're about 40, 44, 45 minutes into this. Um, it's been a good conversation, but it's time to wrap things up. Um, and so on the podcast here, we always ask, uh, one question, question. the same question to end it off. And that is why do you do the work that you do? I love it. I mean, uh, I was, I wanted to be a basketball scout since I was 10 years old. I forced my way in the industry. I found a way to, you know, make people take notice. Um, and um, and the, my current opportunity, you know, I um, I love I love dealing with the coaches daily. I love scouting, finding a hidden gem, going to you know the middle of nowhere and finding a high school kid that nobody's ever heard about that I think is a superstar is the the drug that keeps me going every day is why i show up to gyms and i'm you know i'm i'm always looking for more talent um and it's great to help people like you know i've helped tons of kids to and sent them to schools that don't pay me a cent but um it's nice to be able to to help people all i got to do is pick up the phone and make calls sometimes and you know and that can get a kid a scholarship so um i i love helping people and and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I just, I love it. Um, there's, there's nothing else I think I could do. <laughs> awesome answer. Awesome answer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just before we, we officially wrap things up, if there's anything you wanted to let people, um, uh, be aware with or, or aware about, or uh, give anything, a quick shout out, I guess I'll just give you this time, um, right now. Yeah. You, I mean, everyone can check out my um, social media. My Instagram is West B Brown and. And my uh, my Twitter is Wes Blair Brown, B L A I R, and Brown like the color. Um, and uh, my website is nbaprospects.com. 
the same website I've used since, you know, my scouting website. Um, now it's, you know, used as the base for my business. So mvaprospects.com. That's it. Sweet domain, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. I, I had to keep it, obviously. Of course. Anyways, uh, Wes Brown, everybody, uh, you know, for me and Sam, we want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, uh, means a lot. Feels great. Had a blast. Um, and, you know, if you're still listening at this point in the episode, we want to thank you because uh, you're also kind of uh, what what fuels this and, uh, you know, makes us want to, you know, keep doing it um, and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I think we've come to the end. There's not much more to, to say other than, you know, have a good one. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.